Welcome to the MLS Net Boys Show. Your host, Jacob, here with Chase, your source of all things MLS, all things Net Boys, and all things Pan American Games 2023. That's right, it wasn't a bit. We're diving into it this week. Decision Day, who I'm diving into the Pan American Games held in Santiago, Chile, Dude, starting two days ago. I forgot what you that was even a bit like I remember you mentioned it and then I listened back to the podcast <laughs> and that was the extent of the talking about the Pan American games. Yeah, I don't I know very little about it other than the fact that Tega Icoba went to it and I was just doing a little research before we started here. Um yeah, it's like a weird regional Olympics thing that I don't think anybody cares about, but it's kind of cool and I wanted to at least recognize it a little bit. As Timbers fans, that's the the most hopeful thing in our in our lives right now in terms of the the game. What do you mean, dude? I don't know. I didn't watch actually. Um, I was listening to that podcast as well, and I just looked it up because I was trying to remember. This is episode thirty six, by the way. I couldn't Jeez. remember. I had to look it up. And Cosmo, the LA Galaxy mascot, was on the cover, <laughs> and I was telling Chase about this all. Not every week, but I'll I'll listen back. I'll listen through the podcast, and you know, it it's kind of fun to hear about what we talked about, and it gives us new ideas and what we can do better. There's always some weird thing Chase does that makes me laugh, and like I'll be in front of other people, and I gotta like stop <laughs> listening and just like exit the room. When we were talking about Cosmo, just the LA Galaxy mascot messing with you, like and how he would be annoying in like an escape room or a situation, and you went like. <laughs> that was so funny because I don't. He doesn't make noise. Like I don't know what that came from, but it described him well. Uh, that's exactly the sound that you would expect from Cosmo. If you were to ever see that person, like that mascot, and picture it as a real thing, that's the sound it would make. Oh man. Anyways, I I don't even want to talk about this week in MLS. Let's just start our blind drafts again. <laughs> Let's just go back to that. Something a little more fun. Um, no, we thought it'd be fun to start off with the regular seasons come to a close, obviously, and the table is locked in. The playoff bracket is set. We want to go over our regular season predictions, um, both the table we predicted and then also some of the regular season awards. And there's some interesting things here. I think there's a lot of misses, but some, some hits on here as well, I think. A lot of misses. A lot of misses for sure. I'm trying to see if we got any teams like nailed on in their exact position. I don't think we did. Neither of us, huh? I'm trying to see. I got New England in fifth, actually. So I was spot on. We both had New England in fifth. Go us. Um, But no, we kind of tallied it up before we started. In a Western Conference, I think you had... Six of the teams that made playoffs correct, not necessarily positioning-wise, and I had five of the teams correct in the Western Conference um, that made playoffs. My bottom five in the league, I was just so far off on for uh, Western Conference. I had St. Louis dead last, which we both did, really far off. I had Vancouver in 13th. They were in 6th. I had Houston down in 12th, and SKC in Minnesota. That was actually pretty spot on going into the end of the season. Those two guys in 10th and 11th fighting it out. 
Yeah, another one I got. I just was looking at it. I got Nashville in seventh place. Bang on the money. So, you know what's funny is uh, I think we both like one of our biggest misses besides St. Louis is we both had Austin pretty. I had Austin finishing top of the West. You had him in second place. I That's think a rough one. Those are definitely both in the Western Conference at least our biggest miss. I also had Portland finishing third. I had the Homer glasses on. I won't lie. I mean, on on paper, I don't know. Looking back now, it feels really stupid, but... I was fairly close on FC Dallas. I had them at 6th. They were in 7th. San Jose in ninth, Or I had them in 7th. They ended up ninth. So, I mean, we were we were fairly close. Western or Eastern Conference, I think we did a little bit better on. We both had Philly Cincy at the top. Philly not so high up there. Um, I had Orlando finishing 3rd. Which is funny with how much like crap I've been giving them this past couple weeks. You have them ahead of Columbus, actually. Yeah, and hey, that's where second and third. I had them as third and fourth, so not bad. Which is, it is funny because you gravitate towards Columbus for whatever reason. I'm a big Orlando guy for whatever reason. We don't have any personal connections there at all, but it's it, my second, third, and fourth place teams go Cincy, Orlando, Columbus. That's the first, second, and third team in that order. So if I would have just bumped those teams up one and dropped Philly down, I would have been bang on the money there. I think your other biggest miss I'm seeing right now is Toronto in third place. Oh, yeah. Like like I meant, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It felt like they were, they were primed to go. 2022, they didn't make the playoffs, but... You know, they just signed Insignia, Bernadeschi. They didn't look terrible. They looked like good additions. And they shored up the back line. They brought in an experienced coach. And then, man. We both had Miami making it in eighth place. And that was before we even knew Messi Messi was on the team. That's a a rough one. (laughs) That was pretty close, actually, to, you know. We both had uh, New York Red Bulls missing the playoffs, which we should have known better since it's their 14th consecutive season making the playoffs now. That's one of the big stories. At the death. Yeah. Uh, that was a nuts game. You know, I'm happy. One thing I'm happy with, like you said, the East, fairly straightforward. I got, I think we both got seven out of the nine playoff teams correct in the East. The West is a different story. Not as correct, but I got Houston, Kansas City, and San Jose Three teams that were not great last year, and I got them all making the playoffs, and they did. So I remember when we started this podcast, I was I was big on San Jose, I was big on Houston, SKC. I don't really remember what I said, but I was not big on SKC or Houston. San Jose, I've always been a fan of. I'm a I'm a big San Jose believer, purely because of one player and one player only. Tommy Thompson. I was going to say, not, you weren't a believer for San Jose when we did our mascot draft. You put <laughs> Crazy George in Q at dead last. I like Crazy George from a distance. I would not want to be trapped in a room with him while he just bangs a drum over my head. But it's kind of interesting looking back at our uh, predictions. It'll, it'll be fun, I think, going into next season, having kind of ironed out, you know, like a, the first season, you know, all the little bugs that we've had and whatnot. It'll be fun going into next year. What's a what's a quick storyline for from this table and looking how the regular season ended? 
I'm curious to see St. Louis next year. I, I don't personally see them going super far in the playoffs. I mean, which is a dumb bet considering the season. But I want to see next year how they're doing, you know, how figured out they'll be if they regress. I think St. Louis is an interesting one. I think the obvious one that is going to have all the eyes on it is Miami. Um, I saw an article today that apparently Tata Martino told Joseph Martinez he's not returning to the team next year. And Suarez is in their plans. Luis Suarez is supposedly joining Miami. Um, But to me, I think some of the more interesting ones is like Houston. They've been red hot. They won the Open Cup. And it looks like they're not going to be able to hold on to Coco Karaskia. He's probably going to be gone. And that just kind of kills their midfield. Also, I mean, if they don't get a ton of penalties, then Amin Bossy's like stats are going to look pretty terrible because that guy's his goals all he scored like nine penalties this year, and everybody's like hailing him as this great goal scorer. Kind of doesn't really do anything. Um, and then when you kind of look at some of the other teams like that didn't make playoffs, Austin, how they're going to bounce back next year? That'll be interesting. Minnesota. First time looking for a new coach since they've joined MLS. I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of really interesting storylines to follow. Um, that was a good crunch. <laughs> um, Jacob's wife just brought him a grilled cheese and <laughs> he took a bite away from the mic. But I panini, a panini, fancy grilled cheese <laughs> with meat in it. That's true. But, I mean, there's so many teams that are going to be really fun to watch in the offseason. Um, but I think going into next year, I don't know, man. It's There's so so many fun storylines. I think St. Louis, um, you hit it, like, dead on the money. That'll be a fun one. Um, Orlando, if they don't manage to keep a hold of Oscar Pereja, what, what is their team going to look like next year? Because I don't think they've signed him to a new contract yet. Yeah. D.C. for me is a big one. Montreal. That's a dead club, dude. DC stands for dead club. (laughs) That's pretty ironic, actually. (laughs) I was thinking the opposite. They have a decent academy, it feels like. You know, they haven't been super successful, but I remember they were rumored to be in on bail. Um, Benteke went in for them. Like, I feel like their big signing is going to be Kai Kamara so they can raise their average age to like 37. They're, they're trying. They're swinging for the fences, but they're swinging in the wrong places. I just, I, this club should be a dynasty club, right? This should be a club that's competing. For me, Montreal is curious because connection there with DC. Harden Lasada came in, didn't seem like the most convincing hire and narrowly missed out on the playoffs. Yeah. Do they spend big? I don't know. That's what I'm looking forward to. Toronto as well. I mean, seems like they're going through a rebuild. How does Charlotte build on the success they've had this year, their first ever playoff berth? Um, do they double down and they continue to build up kind of like how uh, Cincinnati did after their first playoff berth, or do they just fall back into the wooden spoon race? <laughs> That'll be a curious one as well. Um, last one of those, New York Red Bulls is interesting to me. Very close to missing the playoffs. And we'll talk about it more. At the death, I have one more that I, I'm i going to make a bold prediction right now. FC Dallas is going to sell Jesus Ferreira in the offseason, and they are going to miss the playoffs next year. Where do you think he goes? Europe? 
I think he goes to some like middling European team for like a season and then comes back to the U.S. Okay, I can see that. I the way they had a really good season this year, and he's the only reason they had really any sort of success. He kind of carried that team. I feel like Dallas will churn another person out though. I mean, we remember when Reggie Cannon left and they instantly got Brian Reynolds and then he ended up being even better. That's true. I just I don't know who they have right now to replace Jesus Ferreira. I know his brother and actually Ricardo Pepe's brother is in the academy. I don't know how they're doing, but I mean, I know they have Alan Velasco, but I don't know. It's they they looked like such a terrible team when he didn't play this year. I see what you mean. For me, the Red Bulls, though, are interesting because Troy Lesane, interim head coach, got him into the playoffs, like we said, barely. Is he really that convincing, though? He was solid in the USL, and but, but it hasn't really translated over. So you could take that a few ways. Is he not the right guy? Is the, the spending budget he's allowed to have not where it should be? Has he not been able to put his, put his full like authority on the squad? I don't know. Like we talked about before, Red Bulls just need the shackles off of the club. They should be one of the biggest clubs in the league. They haven't been forever. They should have a packed stadium. They should have big names there. It just doesn't feel right. I'm glad you brought this up, actually, because I just recently found out. Do you know what the uh, NWCL team is from that area? Gotham, right? Something Gotham? So I, I was looking into them recently, and I think that would be... I actually really love like the identity of their club. I'm not the biggest NWSL like follower by any means, but I think that would be such a sick rebrand for New York Red Bulls. I don't know if you've seen like their kits or their badge or anything, but they represent like New York and New Jersey. They kind of take over both areas and they have like really cool kits. I love their badge. Um, Really solid team. I think they would be, Oh, pretty sick. I mean, if you're not going to go back to the Metro Stars, I think that's probably the most like modern version of the Metro Stars you could do. I agree. I think incorporating that together, they play at Red Bull Arena too, mm-hmm. and I know it's a stickling point from New York City FC, but kind of lean into the New Jersey identity a little bit. I mean, they can't really say anything if they have to borrow that stadium as well for a home stadium, you know, New York City. And <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Just like a that weird superhero aesthetic, big city, you know, buildings. It kind of Metro fit, Stars. Yeah, the, if they went with Gotham FC or something like that, that's just so. I I'd, I'd never heard of it until this week, but it's such a cool, like identity for a club. It's so unique and it plays off the whole like American superhero, um, you know, like DC Comics thing. It's just I I love it. I think it's really cool. Anybody who would. The criticism I can see, which I don't agree with, is like, that's a corny thing. Like, that's just American and cheese, and it's not a serious league. Well, it's like, I mean, they're an energy drink, like, soccer team. Can you really go any worse than that? Oh, man. I Unless you were, like, a McDonald's team. Or, I don't take anybody serious who goes to games and eats, like, meat pies. It's just, like, 50 bald white dudes who are screaming at the players. English football's a joke, dude. We don't really have an English market, so we can say statements like this. It's just it's more the Euro snobs who are just gonna hear that we diss the Premier League and just 
exit out of the podcast and never come well, back. Well, that's <laughs> that's this is going to get us real off topic, and we'll go right back into MLS after this. But I hate like the like snobbery of people who like watch the Prem or like English people who think they have like the best league ever, and it's like, yeah, you might, but it's not because of your domestic talent. Like <laughs> you've created the Super League, and then you like curse people who want to create the Super League within Europe because essentially all you did is like just hoard all the best players from around the world, destroyed the market, destroyed totally. the market by just putting splashing a major amounts of cash and then all your best coaches aren't even like English. They're all like from other countries so you just are like now you're hoarding the best coaches and then you complain about people who want a super league because you've already created it. It's just I find it I find it really simple like just stupid when people think that, oh, the Prem's the best league in the world. England is like, produced the best league. And it's like, they have because they've just, they've been really intelligent with how they spent their money, not so much with how they've played their soccer. Because when you look at like traditional British soccer, it's like, hoof the ball up there, 4 4 2. It's like the Sean Deitch soccer. Big Sam. Yeah. Like, just hoof the ball up to the big lad who just knocks it down, and that's it. But. That was a that was a random tangent. We haven't even talked about decision day yet, and we're we're tight on time today. So that really bugs me. One last thing about that is the criticism of the Saudi league, which me or Chase are not big proponents of the Saudi league. But After people we said last week it'd be awesome to get a deal to go over there and cover them. <laughs> I mean, if the chance came. But that being said, people trashed the Saudi league because they were inflating the market and setting an unrealistic standard. It was like, dude. What has Chelsea been doing? What is what is the top six clubs? Well, some of them in England been doing this yeah. whole time, and it being decision day and going into a playoff season, and there's probably there's a lot of people online who are saying, well, yeah, teams like Portland or Minnesota or these bottom feeder teams this year who have been fighting for playoffs on the last day, like they shouldn't have even been like they haven't been good at all this year. So why should they have a change this late in the season? It kind of dilutes the quality. My rebuttal to that is what you were saying. If you're watching English soccer and you're a fan of a team who's in like 13th place, you're not good enough for Europe nearly. You're definitely not going to get relegated. You've been playing meaningless soccer for like, what, two months? Basically, yeah. And that's, to me, not appealing. You know, like I... <laughs> I think when I was younger and I used to watch the Prim more, I was more so interested in it, but that was purely from just watching, like, the big six. Like, I just was... The teams who won't get relegated ever. Yeah, like, I was just mostly in intrigued by watching the top teams and watching, like, the level of play, which still is very exciting, but I also feel like that's what the Champions League is for. I, I wouldn't... I would never tune in to watch a Premier League game of, like, Burnley versus, like, Crystal Palace. I don't think anybody would ever, in their right mind, unless they're, like, a fan of one of those two teams, or if they just, like, want to watch the highlights for whatever reason, I don't think anybody would ever, like, tune into that game. I know some people who would, actually, but I know what you're saying. Um, it's just funny to me, because, yeah, even we talked about our, our club, Timbers, two years in a row have been bounced on the last day of the season from the playoffs which means in the regular season every week they played they had something to play for and a chance to win a trophy whereas that's not really the case 
in, in these other leagues. Well, and it leads to these narratives where you see it in the Premier League now where, like, only the top two or three teams can say this, but at the very end of the season, they can look back at, like, tight games and they could say, oh, if we would have, like, if that goal would have been allowed or if this would have happened, we could be the champions. Versus you have so many teams in the league now that, like, Timbers, um, you know, like, Montreal, a lot of Minnesota. these teams that are right around the edge that not just the very last game of the season, but they could look back and they could be like, if we would have just like won this game or if we would have had like better last 10 minute defending, we could have been in the playoffs and we could be pushing for the title right now. And for me, that's, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I like MLS. They do things like that. And it makes a lot of people say, okay, well then the regular season's obsolete. I mean, not really. I mean, if your team has something to play for the entire year, minus a yeah. Colorado or a Toronto. I, I find it more exciting. I think what really shifted my view is I started like viewing soccer as a product of entertainment that is being provided to me, and it's a lot more entertaining week on week versus when you look at the Premier League, it's more entertaining for the top few teams that are playing, depending on who they're playing. Like, It's not entertaining for me to watch Man City thrash like Burnley or some like you know bottom three team like 7-0 that's not entertaining versus an MLS where these teams have something to fight for and there's no games that mean nothing it's very exciting but providing a case for the best league in the world yes sir hey we're we're fighting battles in our own in our own personal lives with this defending the integrity of MLS You'd love to see it. Anyway. Shall we dive in? Big, big tangent there. To this week's games, because there was a lot of them, and they all, they had some implications. Shall we cover the the personal awards first? We could, we could run through those real quick. You Do know, we have those pulled up, what, we, what I, we'd picked? I got them pulled up. Um, you know what's funny? Looking back at this, so personal awards, MVP, Newcomer of the Year, all those, et cetera affect the regular season only um obviously so playoffs aren't factored so now that the regular season is over we can go over this dude we didn't do golden boot on here who won the golden boot this year denny buanga i i picked denny buanga <laughs> yeah that's funny we missed that one we which is funny because we got comeback player of the year which is definitely a more obscure award yeah, that one was a, a tough one to pick for as well, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll just start us off with the first one here, and I think you nailed it. <laughs> I think you nailed it with your pick um, for MVP. You went with Lucho Acosta. Um, I ended up going with Brenner, you know, for the sake of, uh, you know, some sort of difference there. I think it's funny we both picked guys from Sensi because we knew they were going to have a good season, but we didn't pick Sensi to top Philly and the table for whatever reason. Really interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Lucho Costa looks like he's absolutely wrapped up the award. Um, I think he has the most goal contributions within the league. And when you look at him playing on the best team in the league and far and above the best player on that team, kind of, uh, kind of hard to overlook that. Um, you have anything to say about that for me? Yeah, I, it's interesting. I didn't even really think about the fact that we both picked Cincy players and didn't pick Cincy to win. Yeah. And 
I don't know. You're a Columbus guy, so you're you're crossing that bridge of the rivalry. <laughs> you should have picked a. Well, good thing you didn't pick a Zellerion, actually, because he would have left. But I guess you're picked it anyway. So I think Cucho has a good shout at MVP from Columbus. I mean, if you were to pick somebody other than Lucho, like take Lucho out of the equation, who do you think is like next up for MVP this year? It's a tough, tough call. Maybe Buanga. Personally, I mean, he's been, but he's had a lot of games where he'll score a hat trick or a brace. It hasn't been as consistent. Remember, he started out lights out, but and I don't think he's the one like X factor for LAFC so much as like Lucho Costa kind of is for Sensi. I think Brian White. <laughs> I think Cucho uh, has a really good shout for Columbus because he's scored a boatload of goals for them and he's been a huge, huge factor for them. Yep. So for MVP, I said Lucho Costa. You said Brenner. Feeling pretty good there myself. Newcomer of the year, I said Stipe Buke. And you said Evander. That's How tough. would you rate each of those years? I think Buke especially. Explosive. Exciting. Fun player. Definitely not the best newcomer in the league, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would agree with that. And then I'd say Evander... Just, he had his moments, but um, it's funny. I, I don't know if you've ever heard, like, from the extra time guys, they'll say, like, the David Goss theorem of, like, a player who didn't perform to, like, his full potential but is going to be good his second year. I think Evander's going to fall into that. I, I could see that with Stipe Buke, too, um, betting into that team. He's been good this year. I think next year he'll get more minutes and he'll probably be even better. Evander, I think, just learning the league this year, um, he kind of didn't shine as well as he could have, but he looked way better after Miles Joseph took over. Like the second half of the season, he was way more crucial to the way we played. And I think a big part of that as well was like, unfortunately getting Eric Williamson out of the team. Like they kind of played in the same space in a lot of ways. So having like, um, Paredes and, um, Chara behind him and allowing him to kind of just float wherever he wanted to helped his game a lot as well said I think for this one the clear answer who's going to win this is Yakumakis from Atlanta almost was definitely in that golden boot race actually was pretty close so I think he's definitely the runaway option for this and if he wouldn't have been injured for like a quarter of the season he probably would have absolutely ran away with the golden boot race you're right defender of the year I went with Jacob Glesness you went with Jack Elliott two Philly boys. I remember talking about this in the in the old studio we had before we upgraded. <laughs> and I don't, who, who do you think would top one of those guys? Cuz I don't think it's going to be either of them. Philly hasn't been convincing enough defensively. I don't think so either. Usually in these cases I feel like I mean since he's been really good defensively, so I feel like it's going to be somebody from them, maybe a Mascara Matt Miazga. Miazga. I could see Matt Miazga winning it because he's he's the voice of their back line. He's the leadership as well. So I, I, could, I could see him. I oh, think. Go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> I'd say a Robert Jansen from uh, Orlando. Quiet season for him. Yeah. I was thinking another Cincy guy, but Alvaro Barrial. He's had a good year too, like offensive production wise. And he's nominated. I feel like MLS does this. Whenever there's some kind of spotlight from outside of America, outside of the U.S. soccer circles, 
they always like hone in on that and kind of get the most publicity and recognition out there for their player. And Barreal getting looked at by the national team, scouted by Ajax, Puskas award winner. I feel like they can get, they would give him this award because it'd be another thing on his resume that they could sell him off for. Kind of like really obscure example. A little more classic MLS from our day. 2013 Rookie of the Year was between two solid rookie fullbacks, DeAndre Edlin and Andrew Farrell. And there was people saying that year that Farrell was a little more like of a safer fullback option to have, whereas Yedlin was starting to get looks with the national team. I don't know if he was actually yet, but he was on a lot more people's radars, and then he went to the World Cup and then moved abroad. And that was another thing he could have on his accolade that was like a, th- a notice for clubs abroad on. That's my weird MLS headquarters theory behind it. I would agree. I, w- I was trying so hard to pull up Robin Jansen's like stats from this year, and I could not figure out how to spell his name that whole time. <laughs> Dude, I'm a big Robin Jansen guy. When I moved to Toronto FC and FM... He was like my first signing, actually. So he's, I think he has a good shout because he's not only been a part of like a really successful Orlando team and he's been there for a long time, but he's also like one of the best passers in the league um, as a defender. I mean, when you compare his numbers to other defenders, he's top, I mean, 10%-ish or something. He has really good pass accuracy. He's got an 85% pass completion rate uh, for a center back. That's that's really solid. And to be a part of a, a defense that's only conceded 39 goals, same as Cincinnati, really, really solid case for him. But You know what's funny? What's that? So MLS has an article on their website. It's Joseph Lowry, and he's like predicting and kind of saying the favorites for each of these end-of-season awards. So you have an Orlando, second place, 39 goals allowed, you know, great positive goal differential. Then you got like a Miami, allowed 54 goals, and obviously mid-season a bunch change. This Joseph Lowry, the journalist for MLS.com, he put as an honorable mention who he thinks should win it. He put Matt Miazga. He said Kamal Miller could win Defender of the Year. Like, dude, there's... That's what I don't like. That's a stupid take. That's a stupid take from a stupid person right there. <laughs> There's Chase's insult for... <laughs> That's just so... Like, yeah, I get it. Miami's fun and exciting, but Kamal Miller hasn't been good for Miami, and they've conceded a lot of goals even after he joined them. Like, they, the only reason they were so good in League's Cup was messy, and they were outscoring teams. Like, when they get scored on, they concede a lot of goals. So he's not or that's just a that's a terrible take from that guy. Another one was Miles Robinson, and that kind of alludes to what I was talking about. Known player, popular with the national team, you know, is popular within US soccer circles. I mean, Atlanta allowed fifty three goals this season. <laughs> and if you just compare that with Orlando, why wouldn't the guy who backlines that team be at a higher position? I mean, I know individual play comes into it a yeah. lot, but I don't know. That that would be my pick for Defender of the Year would be Robert, Robin uh, Jansen. But uh, moving on, though, for Goalkeeper of the Year, kind of funny. I mean, I think – so you picked 
Petrovic, who got sold, and I think he played too few minutes to really be considered. Um, I picked Pedro Gallese, who's recently in the headlines. Uh, <laughs> his uh, national team of Peru was playing against Argentina, and a kid jumps on the field to try and get a picture with Messi, and as he's running, he gets tackled. And uh, Gallese comes over and grabs the kid's phone from him and just chucks it off the field. <laughs> just absolutely shows no remorse for him. Um, he, I mean, he, I think he had a good season. I don't think he's up there for top three, I would even say. Um, Petrovic, if he would have stayed for the full season, probably would have been a shoe-in. Um, I think the obvious contender, though, is Berkey, Ramon Berkey with St. Louis. Um I think he has like one of the best save percentages in the league. Absolutely saved St. Louis on many occasions this year. Um, with the style they play, they need a uh, you know a goalkeeper that's locked in and can pull out saves that just out of nowhere. So, and I think with their success, you can't really overlook. Um, I mean, looking just at his stats right now, save percentage. He's uh, at a seventy-nine percent save percentage. That's top. 14% in the league. Um, post expected goals or assist save percentage. Um, it's kind of a weird stat, but essentially it's when the expected goals are so high that he shouldn't be saving that. He's in the top 9% of the league. Um, defensive actions outside the penalty area. He pulls off 1.7 per 90, so top 10% in the league. Um, he's just when you look across all his stats, he's in the top 10% for all the most important ones. So it's kind of hard to dismiss him for uh keeper of the year. I think you're right. I think that's the clear and obvious one before we advance though. I was looking at Barreal before I get called the casual going back to our last one. <laughs> he's been playing like on the left side on like a three, five, two. So mm-hmm. certain places have him listed as more of a midfielder. I know Arias is definitely considered a fullback on the other side. So It's weird because I feel like you never see outside backs get picked for Defender of the Year, um, even though they technically are defenders. But if you open it up to them, I feel like you can almost include like defensive midfielders at that point. And I would pick uh, Nwobodo from Sensi at that point because he's been amazing for them defensively. But The next Diego Chara. Without a doubt. Petrovic, he's though, really good. who you mentioned I picked for goalkeeper of the year, obviously transferred out. Should that guy be starting for Chelsea? Did you see that Robert Sanchez howler uh, against <laughs> Arsenal the other day? He might get his chance. I told, I think I said this when he got his, you know, signed by Chelsea. I think he'll get a chance. I don't think uh, Sanchez is that great of a goalie. So I think Petrovic Did might get a, a shot there. Even the Mickey Mouse goalkeeper, though? <laughs> Works part-time at McDonald's. Moving on, our uh, we got Coach of the Year. Jacob went with Pat Noonan, who I think has a great shout at the award. I went with Oscar Pereja, who I think is probably in that, if you were to rank them, probably like that B tier or A tier, if you were to put Pat Noonan up there um, in that S tier. Um, I think who's going to win it is probably going to be Bradley Carnell with St. Louis. At just the narrative around their team this year. Uh, it's kind of hard to overlook everything he did. I personally feel like Pat Noonan deserves it. I think he did more work, and I think he had a harder job ahead of him, especially with how strong the um, Eastern Conference is. 
you know what's interesting to me is I, I agree with everything you said. I went Pat Noonan, and yeah, I I think I think Carnell should get it personally. Last year, however, since he was that first year, they turned it around and made the playoffs and won a game. Pat Noonan didn't win it last year. I was thinking he did. It went to Jim Curtin mm-hmm. last year, and that that just is dumb to me because was, once again, it feels like MLS is like overinflating their own product because Philly didn't win. This sounds they didn't they win, win anything. anything. Yeah, they lost the Shield, they lost in Champions League, they lost the MLS Cup. But the counterpoint to that is they were there, and since he wasn't there at all last year. They that, turned around a bad team, but they didn't win anything. I agree. They were there. But if you're basing it off of that, why wouldn't you give it to Chirundolo from LAFC? Because he actually won. That was won. the thing a lot of people said. Chirundolo deserved it over Jim Curtin. And it just doesn't make sense because Philly last year before were very close to MLS Cup, yeah. whereas LAFC the year before weren't. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think the people who vote on these... It's Noah Beck and a bunch of just <laughs> random people. I think there's a lot of recency bias that goes into it for people. Um, I'm just trying to... Th- this makes no sense because there isn't... An, I'm just trying to play it by their own logic because I don't see the consistency with these. And it's hard because it's completely subjective. There's no... The only thing you can really measure it by is trophies, and I think they try and stray away from that because it'd be boring if you just picked players and coaches from the teams that won trophies. Um, but yeah, I think Bradley Carnell probably has the best shout this year. I think he has a good shout at it, but I think Pat Noonan deserves it from it's hard. Cause if you base it just off this year, yeah, he had an amazing season, but if you base it off his whole time as head coach of Cincy and what he's done to that whole club, I think he absolutely deserves it. Um, next up, this is a nothing award that nobody cares about. Comeback player of the year. This is the one we had instead of (laughs) Golden Boot, actually. Yeah, this is... I don't know why, because it's just such a weird, obscure award that I don't fully understand the parameters of. Like, I know it can kind of apply to guys who were, like, injured and came back and had a good season. Um, I don't know. You picked Jao Paolo, who's come back. Hasn't really been the same Jao Paolo. Um, I picked Miles Robinson. Came back. He was all right. I couldn't name you another player that would even be considered for this award. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is I'm looking again at this article where Joseph Lowry from MLSsoccer.com awards these. He's got Miles Robinson winning this. And in the he does like one pick for each thing and then gives a couple honorable mentions. So he's got Robin Jansen as another one, Keaton Parks and Alan Polito, which... I think are all decent picks. Miles Robinson's played a ton this year, 2,000-plus minutes. He's been solid. But this whole overall list, he's got all these end-of-season awards. He's picked three Atlanta players, <laughs> Yakumakis, Tiago Almada, and Miles Robinson. Atlanta didn't have that great of a year. They're sixth place. Seems a little uh, little biased, if you ask me. That's what I'm saying. They... Atlanta's a big club in MLS, and it feels like they're just throwing these things on. So they know Abada's going to leave, and they can say one more thing. It's like, oh, he was the reigning MLS Young Player of the Year. So that's another way our name gets mentioned. I'm just a tinfoil hat guy, but I don't think Miles <laughs> Robinson is the best comeback player of the year. I think he's – this one specifically, I think he's got a good shout for it. But Robin Jansen, 
maybe. I mean, Alan Polito missed most of last season, and he was in the Golden Boot race. I think that's a much more better one. I, I think, yeah, I would agree. Alan Polito has a good shout at it. I'm trying to look at the list of nominees they have for Comeback Player of the Year. So, looking down the list, Brad Guzan, I don't think he has a chance. Robin, Robin Jansen is on the list. Felipe Mora, good shout. Um, Jonathan Osorio, Keaton Parks, Jao Paulo, Alan Polito, Miles Robinson's there, Brad Smith, Ashley Westwood, Bobby Wood. There really isn't any better options, I think, than Miles Robinson. Alan Polito, I think, has a really good shout. Um, I don't know. I mean, personally, I don't know the the exact qualifications. I mean, they're supposed to show improved performance. You could pick anybody from St. Louis that got picked up from another team. Giacchini, um, Adinarin, like any of those guys that got picked up from other teams, they could be on this list. Yeah, if I recall right, reading the qualification for it, it was kind of subjective. So they had to... player who's overcome a severe injury and or adversity and as a result missed a significant portion of the 2022 season for me it's got to be Polito. i would say Polito, but you could also say everybody on st louis missed half of last season because none of them played yeah i'm i don't know that's a that's an interesting one for me yeah i would say ellen Polito is a a solid shout but I don't know. That's just such a nothing award for me that I don't really think anybody actually cares about. That's like one of those things that you give to like a team, like when they've already missed out on playoffs and they get to post it on their, um, like social media or something. Congratulations to Felipe Mora for winning. The, that's the guy who should be nominated. He is nominated. He's on the list of nominees okay. and he, he deserves it because he, he kind of like helped two our, seasons. He kind of helped turn our team around actually when he came back this year. Um, moving on, the last award we have Young Player of the Year. Um, you went with Alan Velasco, who I think is a much better shout than mine of uh, Juan Mascara from the Timbers. Oh man, it's just Juan Mascara showed so much promise, but I think he just—he's a bright mid. I. We'll get to the he's, game. But. He's a really good defender. Or he's a really good young prospect. I think he just wasn't used very well by Gio Savarese. I think he could have been used a lot better. See, I was reading an interesting thing, and offensively he's pretty good. I mean, he hasn't had like a ton of like offensive output in terms of goals and assists, but he's pretty involved in attacks and watching. We passed the eye test, but... And somebody brought this up on Twitter. When the Timbers, throughout this run before they crashed out of playoffs, were winning games, when Eric Miller started, their defense was a lot more calm and persistent because they had pretty much a stay-at-home fullback on that side. When you have two fullbacks who are pushing up and down constantly and they're not sliding over to cover, they're just getting exposed. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I. I don't even think he's on the list of nominees, actually, um, when you look at it. but Oh, he is. He is on the list of nominees. But who do you think 
outside of our shouts, I think the clear and obvious one is probably Tiago Almada. He's actually still eligible. He's just barely eligible. Um, and to your point of like, he's going to be leaving the league. They need to give him some award. Um, <laughs> so I think he's the clear and obvious, but if we were to pick like a real one, that's not Tiago Almada because he's just absolutely insane. Who do you think? There's a lot of good options. I could kind of read some names off the list if you want. I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to need to hear them actually. So we got, uh, Mateus, Mateus Bogush from LAFC. You got Chris Brady, who had an amazing season for Chicago. Um, Noel Buck, who is so lights out with new England that even the, uh, England national team is trying to get him called up. Um, Cade Cowell, who just runs, um, Benjamin Kramashki, who I think is a really strong prospect. Facundo Farias, kind of silly because he, he, he joined halfway through the season. Um, you got Azil Jackson with St. Louis, um, Ted Cudi Pietro with DC, uh, Diego Luna, who you would let your daughter date. Um, Jack McGlynn with Philly, Duncan McGuire, who's barely at the cutoff. Um, won't be old to, won't be old enough next year. He'll be too old. Aiden Morris with Columbus. Um, Yersin Mascara with Cincy. I was thinking Mascara would be a good one. Who else? Obviously, Almada's got it. John Tolkien. I don't know if he's nominated. John but Tolkien's on there. I Caleb think- Wiley as well. Pedro Vite. I don't want to give it another Atlanta player some award that they don't really deserve. I think I'm on to earn this one. If not him, I'd say maybe John Tolkien. What about Darren Yappy, dude? He'll uh, Colorado. <laughs> so Colorado. Show them a little bit of love, you know? But yeah, I don't know. I would Tiago Amada is the, the obvious winner, but it's just it's fun to highlight some of these other guys in the seasons they've had. Like Let's Ted Cudi Pietro, I think, is a super talented player that won't get any real recognition until he leaves DC because DC is so bad. You're right. I running back the list. Here's who I think should have gotten it. MVP, Tiago Almada, newcomer of the year, Giorgio Yakumakis. You put Almada at MVP. Yep. Defender of the year, Miles Robinson. Goalkeeper of the year, Brad Guzan. <laughs> Coach of the year, Gonzalo Pineda. Comeback player of the year, Miles Robinson, and then young player of the year. Uh, the combo of Caleb Wiley and Tiago Almada. So mine's actually just Tiago Almada, Tiago Almada, Tiago Almada. That sounds like when you say a word so much and it just doesn't sound like a real word anymore. I'm trying to see, there's some of these other um, awards that, uh, like how Messi is nominated for like MVP after playing. <laughs> there's some of these other awards that we didn't even predict, like MLS Referee of the Year nominee. Who do you got? Ted Uncle, man. Ted Uncle. Is he on there? John Freeman, Victor Rivas, and Ted Uncle are the only three. How about assistant referee of the year? Dude, that's a good one. Um, I'm going with Ian McKay. Dude, not not Cam Blanchard? (laughs) Dude, what about the big one? The Audi Goals Drives (laughs) Progress Impact Award. I was just about to say that one because it's so... I'm seeing names on this list. I didn't even know we're in the league still. Steven Betashore? (laughs) So this award recognizes players who demonstrate excellence in driving progress in their communities. Josh Yarrow? I forgot he was in the league. Victor Yoa from Miami? I remember him at Dallas. 
the corpse of Graham Zussi is still <laughs> doing stuff in the community. Alec Kahn, former Atlanta goalkeeper. I love that these awards are like a mix of like being named after like league legends, like honoring them. And then you have sponsors like you have the Landon Donovan, Landon Donovan, MLS MVP, all state MLS goalkeeper of the year, the uh, Siggy Schmidt coach of the year. And then you have the Audi player who drives the most change or I don't know. I just, I love that. It's like a weird mix. They got to get like a good referee award sponsorship. The MLS Referee of the Year presented by Simon Borg. (laughs) The Instant Replay Referee of the Year. Oh, man. Well, that is this season in MLS. Let's talk about 15 games now. I know. I was going to say we're uh, going to blow through this. We got about 40 minutes left. We got some time to run through the most important week of games in the (laughs) the whole entire year. After we complained about the Premier League for an hour. <laughs> Anyways, shall we just dive right in? First game, Charlotte FC beating Enter Miami 1-0. Exciting game. Kerwin Vargas scoring a goal in the 13th minute. Haven't heard that name very much this season. Um <laughs> Did you watch this huge crowd in Charlotte? 66,000. I mean, a lot were to see Messi probably. And they went absolutely nuts after the game ended, making their first like berth into the playoffs, just barely. I'm going to take that statement back, actually. Not there to see Messi, because if you looked and watched this game, it wasn't like all Charlotte fans. It it wasn't a pink out like in Chicago or like some of those other environments. Not really Chicago either. What's a good example? Like Philly. When they played Philly. Yeah. Um, you know what I thought was funny? I was thinking about when I saw, like, so they made playoffs. Their fans are just going absolutely nuts. They're like, throwing drinks, just absolute limbs. And it's just, like, people are freaking out. I was thinking, I was like, imagine we just still had last year's playoff structure and they were reacting this way to getting, like, ninth place and missing playoffs. <laughs> just, like, <laughs> I was just cracking up thinking about, like, if ninth place didn't make playoffs... <laughs> and they were just reacting like this after like a last season, last game of the season game that meant nothing. You know what's funny about that to me? Weren't you at your with all your family, like at a family <laughs> gathering? So you're just watching on your phone, just cracking up to yourself, just thinking about this. We were at my dad's birthday and we had like family friends from California up. We had like his other like his best friends, um, that he's been friends with forever and we were just like basically my godparents and we're all just kind of all they're spending time together and I'm just cracking up thinking about the mediocrity of Charlotte fandom playoff well, team though. They are a playoff team, which is far better than my team. Uh, MVP has got to be their goalkeeper. Kalina. Did you see all those nuts saves he was making 90th minute stoppage time, stopping free kicks for Messi from tight angles. Like that's why he's a DP man. He had one of those. <laughs> he had like a glancing header save from Campania right at the death and it's funny because you can watch the game or like the highlights and you'll just hear taylor twelman like freaking out it's funny to me when commentators kind of like break character and instead of like reacting in like a professional way taylor twelman was like oh (laughs) just like a fan of the game sorry for your headphones you heard that on full volume but i love that charlotte makes the playoffs Messi ends the season Playing on turf, too, which is kind of notable, actually. A lot of people think he would miss these sort of games, but... Yeah, he came out and said 
that he's uh, he's willing to play on turf. So I was trying to do the math and see if uh, I'd be able to watch him in Portland next year. And I think we might get a home game against Miami. We haven't played them. We didn't play them this year, and we played them away the year before. But I think there's going to be some tomfoolery with the schedule this year. Just to they're going to give them LAFC again. You already know. Yeah, they're going to maximize ticket sales. I was debating this with somebody the other day. If they come to Portland, do you think they play the game in Providence Park, or do they move it to like Reeser Stadium or Autzen Stadium to try and maximize ticket sales? I think they play it at home still. I I think that's what I was thinking unless the league steps in and like forces them to like find a bigger venue to just pack out fans cuz you know they would sell out Research Stadium or like they would go from selling 28,000 tickets to selling like 50,000 tickets. You're right. I think we haven't seen like like they played at Cincy, they played at Nashville and especially for Nashville with the League's Cup final. I feel like a game like that was the game to do it, honestly. Or like Miami hosting the U.S. Open final. Yeah. Yet they didn't for either of those. So I think they'll play them at their normal stadiums, personally. That was my thought. I just thought it would be interesting to see if they would like bend the rules even more for this Miami team. I'd be curious to... For... Like, San Jose does that when they play the LA Galaxy. They move to Stanford Stadium, and it's like two times, two and a half times the capacity. Yeah. be interesting to see Timbers play a home game in Eugene or Corvallis where normally up in Seattle they have like 50,000 plus fans on their side but to have the inverse would be really curious to me it would be interesting watching the Timbers play a home game somewhere other than Providence Park because I don't think they have in like 50 years (laughs) they've always played at Providence Park so that would be really interesting to watch Um, it was funny I was like who I was talking with about it was saying like yeah, I don't think people are going to want to travel that far. And I was like, I think anybody would travel that far to go watch Timbers play against like Messi and co essentially. And just, I mean, Eugene and Corvallis are good population hubs in their own. Um, I think you would get a lot of people traveling the hour or two hours to go watch the Timbers play. I just drove back from the Oregon coast actually. And you kind of pass the Corvallis area, depending on the way you go. Picturing Messi being in that part of like world. Cor- Corvallis, Oregon. Imagine that. Yeah, that would, that's really funny to think about. Like, I've thought about it in the past when like Frank Lampard and like David Villa and those guys came to the league and they were like in Portland or like when Bayern Munich came and they're in Portland. It's just weird to think about like these global superstars that are like very well recognized and then to think of like Messi, who's like the greatest soccer player of all time behind Julian Gressel. Um, and is just so well known around the world in the same state as our friend Ben. (laughs) Just to think like, (laughs) imagine him just riding on his team bus through Corvallis and it's just a bunch of frat dudes. Like, (laughs) it's just so, it's so funny to think about. But anyways, we, we got sidetracked yet again. Um, Charlotte going to the playoffs. That was our first game, (laughs) our first game of coverage. Anyways. Next up, we got FC Cincinnati tying Atlanta United 2-2. This doesn't really do much for uh, playoff seeding. Um, but, you know, FC Cincinnati finding a way yet again through uh, Lucho Acosta getting a goal right on the brink of halftime. Giacomakis sealing the golden boot with two goals. Um, yeah, solid 2-2 tie between these teams. I think the most notable thing is um, it 
Atlanta's going to be missing Almada now, actually. And Bawanga actually got the golden boot. Uh, oh, that's Yakumaka's right. Yakumaka's close, close behind. But it's like 17 goals to 18 or 19, something like that. Bawanga got 20 by the end. Uh, he scored, actually. Um, it was close. Pretty close. Um, pretty close, yeah. Point of peace, though. Um, wrapping into playoffs, that makes a nice... Since he obviously had the top spot, so they'll play the wild card match. Winner of Charlotte and New York Red Bulls. But Atlanta and Columbus is the matchup in the East, which is looking like a nice, nice matchup. So moving on, we got Columbus hosting Montreal. Columbus crew doing the work, giving up a goal early. You know, want to give Montreal a little bit of hope. And then the two stars... Cucho Hernandez, Darlington Nagby, both bagging goals to win 2-1 against Montreal. Montreal is absolutely horrible on the road. If they would have gone into the playoffs, like squeaked in, they would have been easily a first-round exit. They, they've they only won two games on the road all year. So they would have won surprised. Portland, too. <laughs> not surprising they go to Columbus and they can't get the job done at Lower.com Field, the fortress of the Columbus crew. Host of your 2024 MLS All-Star Game. Yeah, Columbus makes it. Montreal loses out in heartbreaking fashion because they needed a result there to, to kind of control their own destiny. They were up in this game, ended up losing, and we're alive actually with a loss still up until the last couple minutes of New York Red Bulls versus Nashville which we will get into um, that's it <laughs> next up though next game I don't know if there's much else to talk about with Columbus kind of no. Columbus is the best team in the east moving on we got New York City FC beating Chicago Fire 1-0 both these teams missed the playoffs <laughs> sucks to be a sellout club that <laughs> is affiliated with uh, I don't even know who they're affiliated with City Football Group I don't even remember who what country owns them um, is but it, it's not Saudi is it or is Saudi uh, or Qatar or some one of those Middle Eastern countries I think what's the what's the guy's name who owns all of that you know who went to his first Man City game and like a long time when he went to the Champions League final. I'm looking it up right now. What do you think it takes that guy? Abu Dhabi United Group. So I don't know the name of the guy. That chair owner, that main guy who's been to two Man City games in like 15 years. What do you think it takes him to get to go to a, a New York City FC home game? <laughs> or just game in general? Sheikh Mansour? That's who he is. Imagine he just shows up to every game and he's like there with the ultras and he's like all five of them popcorn and a Yankees hat on just <laughs> stuck in. Oh man. Yeah. He's both. got a Yankees hat on, but they're playing at the Mets stadium. I think it's funny. They trade between baseball stadiums. They were playing there this weekend, I believe. So that's I think funny. that's hilarious. Anyways, both, both those teams missed out on playoffs. I don't really care to talk about either of them. Honestly, same here. Nashville hosting the New York Red Bulls. This had some drama in it. Um, like we were mentioning with Montreal, this was a result that New York Red Bulls were in control of their own destiny in a way and got a win late into stoppage time 
which gave them the three points, put them into the playoff picture. They were on the outside looking in, kicks Montreal out, who Montreal's coaching staff was watching on an iPad after the their own <laughs> game had ended, and you could see live their reaction to being knocked out. But 14 seasons, a league record, 14 years in a row being in the playoffs. Must be nice. Must be must give you some sort of hope rather than making a deep run and then not winning a single away game the next year. <laughs> no, absolutely amazing accomplishment for uh, New York Red Bulls. I mean, barely squeaking in with literally like one of the last kicks of their season. You know what's crazy? They've made the playoffs 14 years in a row. 14 years is longer than Atlanta, Austin, Charlotte, Cincinnati, um, LAFC, Inter-Miami, Minnesota, Montreal, Nashville, New York City FC, Orlando, Philadelphia, Portland, San Diego now, St. Louis, and Vancouver have been in the league. How many more cups have they won than those teams? Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Two shields. Three shields, actually. You know, what What would you take? Would you take that or would you take the Timbers record of three MLS Cups in a shorter time frame and one MLS Cup win and barely missing out on a supporter shield to the New York Red Bulls? I would take the Cup. I would, too. You know, I was thinking about that recently. The Timbers were, like, extremely close to winning a supporter shield and the New York Red Bulls squeezed it away from us, like, last day of the season, right? It was 2013. At Thierry first, Henry won the shield for them at home against the Chicago Fire. That's some lore for you. Five two win. The only other or time four. It was like some weird high scoring game. It was like five. I yeah, five two. I think that was a deep, deep pole from us. Moving on though. I mean, do you have anything else to say about New, about New York Gotham FC? No. Should just start referring to them as Gotham FC. To see if we can get a change going. Isn't that the women's team name, though? Yeah, dude. That's what we were talking about at the top of the show, man. But, no, I know, but they would just have the same exact name? How would you spin it? How would you change it? That's I, like DC. What's like a Marvel city? Because Gotham's Batman, right? Yeah. For, for well, me? Superman's home planet. <laughs> Kry- Krypton? Is that Krypton it? Krypton FC. Dude, it's gotta be it's gotta be Metro Stars for me because the, they work together. If you were to kind of brand it together, they could be like, like sister clubs. But if they're gonna ditch the, this is off topic. But if they're gonna ditch the Red Bull Monic, I don't know why Monic isn't a word. I, I meant gimmick. They they gotta they gotta go Metro Stars. I looked up a list of towns from comic books, and uh, Gotham was there. I don't recognize any of these other ones. <laughs> there's some, there's some, uh, there's Dingberg. <laughs> that sounds like something Brian Schmitzer would call the Timbers, <laughs> dude. <laughs> that's, that's such a good old man insult. <laughs> you Dingberg. Oh, sorry. I didn't know I was talking to the mayor of Dingberg. <laughs> oh, there's Gooseville. Gotham City, Hoot and Holler. All of these sound like Brian Schmitz or just little <laughs> quips. Junk Town. Oh, man. Clow. Kryptonopolis. 
That's a good one. Oh my goodness, how do you even pronounce that? Anyways, <laughs> a little bit off off base here. Yeah, um, I I think Gotham FC just marry them together, kind of like you have in Europe. It's just like Arsenal women's, Arsenal men's, one super club. Oh mm-hmm. man, New England Revolution hosting the Philadelphia Union. Another matchup where it's the decision day matchup that's going to carry into playoffs. So New England wins two one over Philly. It was the Gustavo Bo show, and Carranza gets Philly up one nil. Gustavo Bo gets a brace. One of them was a PK, but I mean it's funny we we did our bracket. Both of us took Philly over New England. Here though, Gustavo Bo is such a roller coaster of a player anymore. I don't think he's going to carry that into the playoffs. He seems like a like some random MLS team is going to buy him like a a Kansas City or like a Houston or Rapids. Some some team like that's going to buy him and he's going to be like mid-level DC United. I can see getting a player like this. I would feel so bad for Gustavo Bo if he went to DC United. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, he man. was had a successful team and then they blew up the whole coach and roster and yeah not really the roster I guess but Timbers pick him up he could be the Nia's Gota replacement (laughs) yeah New England Revolution Philly it's gonna be interesting because it's this is essentially like a four game series now because next time they play we'll be in that first round of playoffs so it's gonna be a three game series so they're about to play each other four times in a row starting to feel like it's LAFC versus Philly where they just play nonstop. So you're right. And I don't know. I have my own feelings about that, but it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to watch Toronto FC hosting Orlando city and Orlando wins two nil getting dunked on big Duncan McGuire is uh heating up scoring some bangers. But the big news is around the general. Michael Bradley has announced his retirement. Didn't really give anybody much time to to plan a whole lot. Honestly, he announced this like, what, four days ago? In between our last episode, so we couldn't even... If you were him, would you retire after this season, having gone so poorly, or would you try and go somewhere else to like get one last like good season in before you leave? I mean, I think it's pretty clear he's lost a step. I mean, if I was him, I wish I would take like a a lesser contract beyond like a minimum year because he talks about open lock. He loves the game. And Sasa Kleshin was talking about this on the MLS 360 show and saying like a lot of players have like the wrong mentality where it's like this isn't just work. Like I got to go and play soccer for a living, right? It's enjoyable every time I do it, even if I lose. And... You know, he Bradley had that mentality. So I feel like, I mean, if I was in his shoes, I would play on like a min contract or something, help my team open up some space and kind of regress into more of like a substitute bench, kind of like like a player coach role almost and kind of ease out because, I mean, even in this last game, he got destroyed this year. It's tough because that does sound appealing, but also it's with Toronto. So, and I mean, maybe he sees the writing on the wall. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't think Toronto is going to get that much better that quick. So 
maybe he sees the writing on the wall and he's like, I'm just going to get out of here and he's going to pull like a Landon Donovan and then come out of retirement to play indoor soccer and then go to Mexico. Play in the Canadian Premier League instead. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it's not like he can get a move anywhere in MLS because I think that would just kill his reputation with Toronto. Um, You think so? I think unless he went to Montreal, it would be. I don't know. I think right now where he stands, Toronto, like, they should build a statue of him. Like, he's probably their most important player, I'd say, in their history besides Giovinco, but he's had a longer tenure at the club than Giovinco. Six years after him, yeah. And a year before. So I think he he deserves a like a – he deserves a, a statue or something, something for that club. Um, Definitely agree. But I think he's at the point where he probably realizes Toronto's not getting much better, and if he were to just kind of stay on the books, even if it was like a men contract, like how much, how enjoyable is that really going to be, you know? I think it's more for like the leadership aspect, honestly. And that's true, but like Toronto's kind of well-documented of just being in absolute disarray. Like their locker room is just in shambles, and like do you really want to like – I know it is still not – like a real job, but like going into a locker room that's kind of split and divided and toxic. Do you want to be there every day or would you rather like retire and go and enjoy your family while you're still pretty young? Time for Jonathan Osorio to fill those boots, (laughs) fill those boots, step up to the plate, get those Italians in line, man. You know, just whip them into shape, but from one eliminated team to another, we got the Colorado Rapids losing to RSL 1-0. We didn't even talk about that game, actually. We should go back. Orlando and Toronto, you have anything else to say about that before we move on? I mean, no. <laughs> it's a bummer. I mean, I'm really bummed seeing Bradley go out on this note because he's one of my favorite U.S. men's national team players. Um, such an amazing career going to Europe, being a crucial piece for teams over there, coming back, not just like American soccer, but influencing like Canadian soccer in the way he did. So CONCACAF legend. Without a doubt. I mean, arguably most memorable moment, chipping Ochoa at the Azteca in Mexico. That's like a top five. That's like a top three uh, U.S. soccer moment ever for me. That's an amazing memory. Um but yeah, absolutely a legend. A lot of these more, I don't want to sound like a gatekeeper of like U.S. soccer or the game, but a lot of more recent fans have a pretty sour opinion of him, unfortunately, because of the whole Trinidad and Tobago. But he was a legend for a long time. So I think we can move on, though. Rapids hosting Salt Lake. Salt Lake beats Colorado Rapids. 1-0. Diego Luna with a goal. Did you see the banner that the the Salt Lake supporters had? No, I didn't. They pretty much had a sign that their away supporters group had, and it said, like, our biggest rival deserves better. And it was like, it had to do with that whole statement the Rapid supporters group had about, like, stadium and spending and just influence from their owner being all, like, not where it should be. So I think that was kind of a cool moment, actually. That is pretty cool. Um, seeing RSL kind of stand in solidarity with Rapids fans. And then the funny thing to me is the admin on their social media. A lot of these MLS social media accounts are unhinged. Salt Lake has had an unhinged one for a while now. But 
I forget what they posted, but a lot of Salt Lake or MLS fans, when they're talking about Colorado, they put Crapids because it's C <laughs> Rapids. And the RSL, like, Twitter account just posted, like, Crapids are going to Crapid or something like that when they <laughs> lost. They're like, typical Crapids. Like, man, you got the fans, like, having this kind of nice moment with, you know, their and rivals. Just step right back in and just dunk on them. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, another Rocky Mountain Cup in the books. What can you say? <laughs> Salt Lake has won the last four games. Feeling a little. Rapids are so bad, dude. So, <laughs> so our family friends that were over yesterday. Um, Don't tell me they're Rapids fans. So they're from California, and one of them, he's from Colorado. Doesn't follow soccer at all. But like while he was there, he was watching their hockey team play, and he was asking me, he's like, like the Rapids, like how are they doing? And I was like, oh yeah, they're like one of the worst teams in the league. And he's like, ah, oh, like these be pretty good, right? And I was like, they had like a good season or or so, but a good season for every four bottom feeder years. Yeah, it's just it was funny because like he obviously didn't really keep up with it too closely, but like enough to know like ah, oh, like they used to be pretty good, and like I know they're not doing that good now, but uh, yeah, obviously they deserve better. Um, kind of funny. I'm reading MLS website about this game right now. And they say, uh, they spelled Chicho Arango's name wrong. <laughs> Chicho Arnago. Dude, they don't care. It's not Miami or LFC. <laughs> oh man. Moving on. We got SKC against Minnesota. One of the most important games of decision day. And SKC just puts the beat down on Minnesota. Three, one, they go up 3-0 in the 78th minute. Michael Boxel gets a consolation goal in the 82nd. Kind of seems similar to the Timbers game. <laughs> it seems like some similar fate. Um, Kansas City making the playoffs after getting three points, so three draws out of their first 10 games, no wins. I predicted this like weeks ago that Peter Vermees was going to do just enough to keep his job. He's going to barely squeak into the playoffs lose in the first round, and then keep his job for another year. Let's run it back. I, I don't remember what episode it was, but it was like a, cu- a few weeks ago we were talking about it. We talked about this because you said we talked about how, how he'd be talking to his wife in the morning over a cup of coffee. Like, you know, I got one more season in me. And, <laughs> you know, there was some hostile fan opinion. I think there still are. I think a lot of fans are ready for a new era there. And If he goes for one more year, I think he'll be at 15 years with that club in charge. Like he he's been there as long as New York Red Bulls have been making the playoffs. Imagine if he leaves and they just don't make the playoffs anymore. <laughs> I w- I would like like a weird connection. It's like a time vortex thing. <laughs> um yeah, huge for Kansas City. I don't see them going super far, but still a, a cool accomplishment for them. He's like their Sir Alex Sir Alex Ferguson except way less success. <laughs> Do you think at the you know that one clip that always goes around of Sir Alex Ferguson's last game and he gets like the guard of honor and like all the state the stadiums waving all their things like a festive atmosphere? You think PV gets that in Kansas City? A regular season game against like the Rapids or, or DC United and they're already eliminated from playoff contention. <laughs> you got them both lined up on either side. You got Benteke just <laughs> applauding. It'd be even more fitting if it was just like a Chicago or like just one of those crap teams. Like, 
<laughs> Dude, Chicago's minding their own business right now, and you just brought them up out of nowhere. That is disrespectful. Oh That's so funny. Yeah, Peter Vermees, I don't even know where he goes after SKC. You remember when he was linked with the U.S. job? Before Greg Bearhalter got it, it was like him, Bearhalter, and Caleb Porter were kind of like the three domestic products that were being linked with it. I mean, I am... I'm a Burhalter defender, honestly. And if you look at their MLS resume, for me, had a better track record, honestly. So PV, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't want him. But <laughs> if that's what we're going off of, you don't want him to coach the uh, national team for the next six World Cup cycles. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, he's looked exactly the same too. He is not <laughs> aged. I mean, he's not like a young man, but he he's been the same, dude. Dude, he was. That means he was back at SKC when. Do you remember that legendary Graham Zusi goal? It was in like 2010 in an empty FC Dallas stadium at Pizza Hut Park, and he just roofs in a free kick from like 55 <laughs> yards. Oh, look at the pictures of him right now. I I know I know what you're talking about. He just looks like he's always chewing gum. Like if you just look at him, like it looks like he's always just got a fat wad of gum in his mouth. It's all that stress from uh dude. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I'm I'm not a hater of Kansas City by any means, but there's some I almost don't want him to retire or leave because it's like the end of an era of like MLS, not just Kansas City. When him like when I think Kansas City, I think Peter Vermees, I think Baby Blue Kits, I think Graham Zusi, and I think of Matt Beasler. Matt Beasler's gone. That's that's one of the, the the four horsemen out of the equation. So, when you're thinking of of that team specifically, I always think of uh, Icopara when I think of like prime SKC when they had those like golf shirt looking kits with the the polo and the yeah. I think that's a well run club in general. But Peter Vermees has never had facial hair in his life. <laughs> that's really weird. Next up. LA Galaxy versus FC Dallas. Another game I would have preferred a favor from from the Galaxy. But they lose 4-1 to one at home. <laughs> this is the score at halftime, too. It's just Dallas put the beat down on them. Dallas advances to the playoffs um, and are in the wild card game. No, they're not, actually. They're in seventh place, so they're playing Seattle first round. Galaxy ends a pretty terrible year for them. And... We, we've talked about Greg Van and we've talked about a lot of things. Is this Ricky Pooge's last game? What's your what's your takeaway from this? I don't know. I mean, Ricky Pooge, I don't think he should stay with LA Galaxy if he were smart. I, I want him to stay in the league. I don't think LA Galaxy is going to get better very soon. Um, I think best case scenario, they squeak into the playoffs next year, unless they have some insane offseason. Um I don't know. FC Dallas, though, looking good. LA Galaxy, they have a lot of work to do. I think it's almost like a relief for them to have finally have an end to their season so they don't have to worry about anything. They can just start finally developing their squad. There's just a lot on this roster that I... I mean, it was a more rotated squad. They were already eliminated. But Jonathan Bond, not really that convincing as a goalkeeper. Tony Alfaro, this guy's been passed around from DC United and... Didn't really do too hot at Chivas. Yoshida was a decent pickup. Kevin Leardam, not the best, you know, starting defender in the league. Fagundes is an all right piece. I mean, I don't know. 
Fagundes was a good pickup for them. When, I I like the Fagundes pickup. When your best part of the season and most you know inspiring and you know awe inspiring part of the team was a thirty seven year old Billy Sharp scoring like a hat trick against Minnesota. Like it's rough. That's a rough look. It's rough and. I mean, you you could say the same about some of these eliminated teams. I'm I'm really curious to see the the off season for LA Galaxy specifically because like like we talked about, they're a big club. Like they should have a they should have big name. They should be successful. They should have a packed stadium. There's no reason for them to be a bottom feeder team. Absolutely, just super disappointing, and I feel for their fans. Speaking of disappointing. Portland Timbers, our beloved squad, hosted Houston Dynamo. Decision day matchup and needed a point out of the last two games for Portland to make the playoffs. They lose the last two and they lose the last game of the season. 3-1, two years in a row. Miss out on the playoffs. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> I I was so primed to go on like a Taylor Twelman rant about this team because it's just so it's just a joke, man. Griffin Dorsey was the Grim Reaper in this Dude. game. How many times are are the Timbers gonna make these random MLS? Just random, like how, both times we played Houston. First, it was like Corey Baird. We just let him do the freaking crab dance on us, and then we get Brad Smith scoring bangers on us, and then, <laughs> and then we let Griffin Dorsey like just. Put in a very well-placed header, but, like, absolutely uncontested um, for the first goal. And then we just looked like we were absolutely, like, shell-shocked after that. We looked like a like a, like a a JV team, just the way our midfield got <laughs> it was rough. destroyed by. It was, it was pretty brutal to watch. Um, only positive is Timbers get to just focus solely on, like, the head coach search and the roster build now. Which it's so tough because um, I might be a little biased as a Timbers fan. I feel like the roster hasn't been in a terrible place for the past few seasons other than the need of like a lights-out center back. But every year we just underperform so badly. <laughs> and I, I definitely agree. You look at the MLS Cup roster Portland had a few years back, there's a lot of the same players on this list. And I don't think we should be winning a trophy every year, but we should be making playoffs. We shouldn't be depending on a San Jose Austin game in the last few minutes to decide if we go to the playoffs. It's not good enough. There's been a lot of injuries and stuff. I think we can both agree. Miles Joseph won't become the head coach with the way it imploded the last few weeks. Do you think he should, do you think he stays on the staff if he's not the guy or I think if he doesn't get it, I think he leaves, and I don't fault him for that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I thought he did a lot to deserve it. It's just the, the last three games were brutal. Tying LA Galaxy 3-3, losing 4-1 to Montreal, and then 3-1 to Houston. Houston is excusable. They're probably one of the best teams in the league right now. Montreal, really good at home, so you can kind of understand it. Really far travel. Um. LA Galaxy, that one's just poor. That one was, I think for me, that was when I got nervous as a fan because our buddy was at that game, actually, two of our buddies, and they just cannot mark 
on corner kicks. It's it's unbelievable. It's been a thing for the Timbers like the past seven years, I feel like. It's been terrible. And I think that goes hand in hand with not having a lights out like star center back. Because you, when you think back to us having Ridgewell and Borchers, we were amazing defensively and we didn't concede off set pieces. And a lot of it just came down to their organization and holding guys accountable. And now it seems like when you had like the robot and goal of Ivasic who didn't talk at all, he probably saw people who were open and just like refused to say anything. And then you have like Larice Mabiala who's just <laughs> doing like <laughs> open player. <laughs> you got Larice Mabiala who's doing TikTok dances and scoring own goals. You got Zach McGraw who's everybody All right. he's okay everybody says he's like the best defender by far on the team i don't see it dude he makes he makes good plays but i'll say we look better with him on the field than we don't because we don't have a good alternative that's true but, but he's not an amazing defender by any means the amount of the amount of times he gets burned and big he's got mabiala syndrome i feel like not not as bad yet there's a reason why he picked canada over the us and it's because he's in their b team like he's their B team center back versus like he doesn't he's not anywhere near the potential of getting anywhere like near the US team. So like he chose Canada because he's not at the quality. I don't think he's has the quality to be a star MLS center back. I don't know. And then you have Mabiala, like I already said, and then Zuperich, who's okay. I don't think he's amazing. I think he's slow. Araujo, who's not really done anything yet. We haven't really seen much. And then Eric Miller. No, that's not bad, actually. <laughs> you, know, that, you know, you bring that one up. It's like, okay, I see what you're working with. <laughs> no, I think Portland... I think we just got to do a back four of all center backs and not worry about having overlapping outside backs and just see what happens. Center backs, just, just play like we're in Liga MX, have... Four defenders that stay and just a D mid ahead of them. You just keep five guys in your half the whole time. The other five in the other half. No midfield. You just boot the ball up and see what happens. Like FC Juarez versus Austin, pretty much. Basically, <laughs> um, might work out for us. I don't know. New goalkeeper, new starting goalkeeper who's not like a number two somewhere else that wins the job and does okay. New goalkeeper, new center back, a real right back. I think not. Mas- I love Mascara, but. He's just a liability. Would you rather have Bravo or Mascara on the field if you had to do one or the other? I think Mascara is better going forward than Bravo. You're definitely right, but I don't know. That's that's tricky because Bravo's first couple of years, he, he felt like he would do the same thing, but instead of just leaving a guy unmarked, he would just like hack him in the box for like a free penalty kick. So... Oh. I also think Mosquera is pretty young, and I would rather build his stock and sell him on. That's the thing. I can see Bravo sticking around for like a, a career here, whereas Mosquera Mos- I could see us selling and getting some money for. Especially I, if we develop him as a winger rather than an outside back, I think you'd get more money. I'd, I'd love to see a 3 5 2 with, with either of them. But I, I feel the like the problem is then you have three crap center backs on the field all at once rather than just two. If we, just, if we get one. A better one. I don't know. You can really captain it and shore it up. <laughs> Maybe next year is the year Chara regresses, though. We don't know. Um, That's never going to happen. And in the three five two, I feel like Evander would 
either be doing too much defensive capabilities or when he's a number 10, he doesn't. You could do two D mids behind him and have him float beneath two strikers. We don't really have any guys that are like absolute wingers on the team other than that new signing, Anthony. Yeah. Because you could play a top two of Felipe Mora and Santi Moreno or, you know, something like that with Evander below. I'd rather even put Moreno at that spot and I don't know. I, I probably have a different feeling about Evander than you. So we'll move on though. Houston I'm looking at I'm looking at free agents that the Timbers could pick up this next season. How would you feel if we picked up Jonathan Mensa from San Jose? Is he really a free agent? He just went over to MLS, San Jose. MLS says top free agents for twenty twenty four. You got Kellen Acosta, Gustavo Bo, Stefan Fry, Julian Gressel, surprisingly. Kai Kamara, Lodero, Jonathan Mensa. Lodero would be hilarious just for the banter. Darlington Nagby? Dude, if Caleb Porter comes back, you already know Nagby would be on that first plane back to Portland. If I was the Timbers, I would be absolutely calling Jonathan Mensa. You got Diego Palacios from LAFC as a free agent. Um, I mean, he's a left back, but still more depth. We don't really have a backup left back. Um, Miles Robinson, free agent. He's seems more like he's geared for a move away. Um, Kai Wagner's leaving. Carlos Vela is a free agent. Diego Rubio, a lot of big names out there, but I think Jonathan Mensa is a solid shout. Timber should pick up. I would absolutely love that. However, I don't I, think it's going to happen. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if when he went to San Jose, they kind of had like a gentleman's agreement or something like that. I know I've heard a lot of similar. That happens in the NBA a lot. Timbers are going to go to the Paraguayan Premier League and pick up some guy. Some some South American guy or like some guy who played like a year or two in Turkey in the top flight. Anyway, I don't want to talk about that anymore. San Jose hosted Austin. It was a 1-1 draw and... San Jose squeaks into the playoffs after, you know, a few years of disaster. First year in the Luchi Gonzalez era, they're in a wild card spot. So I think it's a great accomplishment. They started out lights out this last 10 weeks, however, that they pretty much only draw games. So I'm not too convinced they'll go on a big run, but I think a solid first year to build like a, to build in the right direction, if that makes sense. And who other than Christian Espinoza to bag the goal for them in this game? He has been amazing for them this season. But is he as good as uh, who's an Atlanta United equivalent <laughs> winger? So I feel like he had a good shout for one of those end-of-season awards, but he's not going to be there because his team isn't high enough. But, I mean, how many goals and assists did he get this year? I know he was up there. Um, I think like a lot of other things, he cooled down a bit. Got 13 goals, 8 assists. That's a great year, though. So he contributed to like 65, 60-some percent of their total goals this year were a direct result of him. And then you look at his underlying stats, um, top 8% in shot-creating actions, top 3% in expected assists, um, top... 10% for non-penalty expected goals and expected assists. So, like, right up there is, like, one of the top players in the league. So, I think he deserves a shout. 
um, and a little bit of recognition at the end of the season here. But yeah, I don't know. San Jose squeak into the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make it very far, honestly. Same here. Pretty intriguing matchup, actually. St. Louis hosting Seattle. St. Louis obviously wrapped up the top spot. Seattle clinches second, though, and a 2-0 away victory. Rusnak scores and a Tim Parker own goal. And, you know, we talked about Seattle kind of being mid for a while. And, I don't know, even in this year where it feels like they're not that great, by the end of the season, they're in second place, kind of quietly, I would even say. And the formula seems pretty straightforward to me. When Rui Diaz was the starter or a bear, things weren't happening. When Jordan Morris and Leo Chu are starting on Morris up top, Chu on the wing, now they have Roldan back. Like, this is a good team. Yeah, I mean, it's like we talked about at the beginning of the season. They just, they're just they a good team. They're just old. They're an old team. So it's like they're right at the end of an era. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I mean, when they, when they start some of those guys up top that, you know, are younger and a little bit hungrier and can kind of do the hard yards, they look a lot better. But I don't know. St. Louis seeming to kind of cool down a little bit towards the end of the season, of course. But solid result for Seattle to hold on to that second-place spot, putting them into a good place where they can play against FC Dallas in the first round of the playoffs. Which means me and Chase are going to be FC Dallas supporters for this round of the playoffs. Let's go, Dallas. Come on, you boys and hoops. Anyway, last game. Wrapping it up here. Vancouver hosting LAFC. A 1-1 draw. Ali Ahmed and Dennis Buonga trade goals for each squad. I was really hoping for a more exciting game here because Vancouver didn't have really anything else to play for. They were kind of locked in where they were at. Not much was going to happen. They couldn't go down any further. I was really hoping Vancouver was just going to throw everything at them and just like try and rack up goals. But, um, you know, 1-1 one, one draw. Super exciting. Prediction game for us, actually, which we'll mention the other ones here, but... I said LAFC winning 3-2. You said 2-1 LAFC. Both wrong, obviously. Our other ones was New York City and Chicago. I said 1-1 draw. I was wrong. You said 3-1 New York City win. You got the score wrong, but the result right. And then SKC versus Minnesota. We both saw a draw. Neither happened, obviously. So you got a point. One point. One whole point, which means end of the regular season... Points total, like we said, three points for correct result and correct score. One point for the right result. No score. 68 points for me, 54 for Chase. Gearing into the playoffs, though, anything can happen. I'm squeaking into the playoffs. I'm going for that dream run. I didn't want to win in the regular season. You want to make it interesting? Do it like double or nothing for points-wise? No. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to say no, but watch. Like, he'll actually just get a dream bracket or something like that and end up, like, crushing me if he would have done that. How about we do our MLS bracket, and if one of the team, if we pick the team that wins, it's like plus 10 points. Like, we pick our bracket before the, like, playoffs start. Say I pick Houston to win the whole thing, and Houston wins the whole thing, I get plus 10 points. 
And same with you for whatever team you pick. What about if I get MLS Assistant Referee of the Year correctly, <laughs> Cam Blanchard? I'm going Ian McCackney or McCarthy or whatever his name was. Ian McKay or something like that. Anyways. It's going to wrap it up. Do you want to... we got a couple predictions for these midweek games we could run through real the, quick. The wild card ones. we got the we'll... wild card games coming up. Eastern Conference wild card game. we got the New York Red Bulls hosting Charlotte FC. Red what Bull Arena down? goes pretty hard, actually, on a playoff atmosphere. <laughs> these are probably, like, the two lowest opinion teams I have in the entire playoffs. Charlotte is riding a lot of momentum, I will say. But but they're also away. They're also away. I can I think I think nil-nil and Red Bulls went on penalties. That's very uneventful because I said 1-1 and Red Bulls went on penalties. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you put them in there, didn't you? Yeah, I put 1-1 Red Bulls went on penalties. Yeah, I don't I don't think this is going to be a very high-scoring game. Um and I think yeah. Similar to what you said, I think it's going to end a tie. Red Bulls pull it out because of their crowd. SKC versus San Jose. SKC's hosting this game. We know what kind of atmosphere they can put together in a playoff um, until Sebastian Blanco just hushes the crowd. Um, there are much more happy days. I wish we did this pot, like something like this back then. <laughs> when the Timbers were competing. And losing um, finals. But making finals. <laughs> but making finals. But we got SKC hosting San Jose to see who will move on to play St. Louis. Should be said that New York and Charlotte, whoever wins that, plays against Cincy. Who do you got for SKC and San Jose? I don't, don't want to copy you, but I think SKC wins easily. I, I'm going 4-1, SKC. SKC 4-1. I think, I think San Jose gets blown out here. I would agree. I went with 2-0 SKC. On the road, San Jose hasn't been that great this year. They've been struggling to find goals. I can't see them putting up much. SKC kind of rounding into form at the right time, and they're really good at home. Um, I don't see them going much farther than winning this play-in game, though. Polito Brace had a Johnny Russell strike, and then Eric Tomey, Remy Walter, Gaddy Kinda, Willie Agata. They got some good pieces, whereas I think San Jose... You neutralize Christian Espinosa, and you've won the game. Don't forget about Jabo. Jabo's great, but I, I don't think he's the guy who's going to take on the game on his own. You know I what think. I will say about San Jose? Jeremy Abobasi, despite his size, one of the best aerial strikers in the league. If you give up set pieces in a playoff game, he's a big game player. I could see him pulling up some nice headers. I definitely don't think he's a big game player, but what? Because he didn't win us a MLS Cup when he was twenty. Well, not only did he not win us, he missed a uh, an open look in the box on a header, and then. All right. Well, that's been everything from Michael. us today, guys. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Michael Parkhurst ate his lunch and said, "Joseph Martinez threw on goal because Abobas he tried to dribble through him." I still think that was a foul. Like our friend on Pro Clubs. At the halfway line? He wasn't dribbling through. He was receiving the ball. Michael Parkhurst came through his back to win it off of him. The, dude, you, you let Michael Parkhurst body like... Dude, Michael dude, Parkhurst Michael looks Parkhurst like a is guy who does spray paint art graffiti in downtown <laughs> Venice Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just picture that guy with a backwards hat just... 
tagging a, a brick wall or something. No way. That guy's not an athlete. I mean, he's <laughs> he's got a solid career. I actually really like Michael Parker. I was going to say, that's a that's an um, MLS legend right there. That, that guy. He's such a normal looking guy, though. Yeah, he looks like a guy who would like take you on a drive through his small town and be like pointing out like the murals or like some like little thing. Like as if it's like this great like wonder of the world. That's what I'm talking about, man. And good dude, great guy. I mean, part of some solid MLS teams. The Revolution back in the early 2000s when they were making MLS Cups went to Columbus Crew MLS Cup in 2015. Was a part of that great squad. Won the MLS Cup with Atlanta. Michael Parkhurst deserves no disrespect. On this podcast. Absolute legend of the game. But you know who may be following in his footsteps one day? Tim. Keegan Hughes. Oh, you're going to say Tim Parker. Keegan Hughes, just starting his career. He might be on there one day. He might be at that level. He might reach that level. The next Dave Romney. <laughs> Anyways. Episode 36. Thank you all for listening. That was episode 36. Follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you call that platform. MLS Net Boys on Leave us X. On X? Oh, that's true. Just MLS Net Boys. Not MLS Net Boys show. Leave us a review. Send us an email. Please somebody interact with us. Starting to feel like the weird kid in the cafeteria. Oh, what if that's our <laughs> listener base, dude? You just insulted. Then interact with us so we can interact with you. <laughs> you. You just insulted our core demographic, probably. Those two listeners in Belgium. What if it's just like random 45-year-old woman? It's like the complete opposite. <laughs> the exact opposite of what we've like expected our audience would be. Uh, anyways, thank you all for listening. As always, Keegan Hughes, come on the show.